Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of the From the Clubhouse podcast. This week, there have been enormous changes in the world of handicapping. Uh, New rules for the World Handicap System have been announced. They will come into effect in Great Britain and Ireland in April next year. And our very special guest today to talk about some of those changes is England Golf's Head of Handicapping, James Luke. Welcome, James. Hiya, Steve. Thanks for having us. This has uh, been a long time in the planning, hasn't it? And I know we've still got some time to go. The RNA and USGA announced officially yesterday, and in some jurisdictions in the world, this will this will come into place in January. But, but GB and I, we're going for April. Why have we decided to pick that time? Is it just simply to coincide with the start of the season? Uh, well, yeah, essentially. Um, obviously, 1st of April's historically always been... Uh, our kind of start of the season, obviously, upcoming the Masters week, everyone's getting excited to get the golf clubs out, and um, it's, it's it just seems to be a, a more than suitable time to do this. But also because of some of the changes required, we need obviously um, Doc Golf, our platform provider, to be able to do uh, the sufficient changes that they need to do, and also for our ISVs to do what they need to do so it'll, it'll just give us a bit more time to make sure we get everything everything right um from a software and digital point of view as well and it gives uh, golfers some time to get used to the changes as well because we're going to go through each of these changes one by one in some detail but i mean it's fair to say that for gb and i golfers there's some big things happening yeah there's there's a, there's a few interesting things happening absolutely um it's one of the great things is obviously GB and I, um, England Golf, Welsh Golf, Golf Island and Scottish Golf are all aligned on these changes. So the beauty is between um, golfers playing in GB and I, there's, there's going to be um, no kind of need of transitions or anything like that. Oh, playing in Scotland, what's the different rules? All, it's all the same and it's going to be obviously very similar as well when you go and play abroad. So hopefully these changes are putting the... Uh, the big W back in uh, in in world handicap system, um, so it, it's it's probably some changes have been a, been a long time coming, um, but because of the feedback and what we've learned so much about WHS since inception three years ago, um, we know these changes are good changes, are correct changes, and it'll essentially um, <clears throat> make WHS stronger with more integrity as well. Yeah, and the point is that you've been talking about these, obviously, with the other home nations and within Congo for some time, right? These are not mm-hmm. uh, changes that you've thought about over the last few weeks. I mean, they've been a year in the planning. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's 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 been it's been it's been a year in the planning. It's um, it's one of these things where actually we've we've had um, guidance, a lot of strong guidance from the RNA and the USGA on a, on a lot of these issues. This isn't something that. I sit around the table and say, "All right, how are we going to mix WHS up? What what rules are we going to change?" Because that isn't really our decision. It's it's a world handicap system. The changes come from USG and the RNA, and it's up to us to make sure we can get the education out there to make sure our golfers understand how it impacts them and 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 um, how they just continue to play golf without without having to worry about it. Yeah, there's been, I think. There's a lot of changes within the WHS guidance document, um, a lot of addendums and amendments to the rules of handicapping that that clubs and counties can get 
uh, get their heads around in due course when those uh, documents are released. But I think for um, for club golfers, there are half a dozen sort of major changes, I think, that will impact the way that we play golf every day at our clubs and will impact the way that um, perhaps we approach competitions as well. So we're going to go through these one by one, James. Um, I, I don't think we're going to get into them in any in, in any massive depth because obviously there's a length of time that we can have for a podcast. I don't think anyone's, I don't think everyone's after a, much as we love hearing your voice, James, I'm not sure anyone's after a three hour podcast, Um, but but we'll go through these one by one and we'll just explain them to people who might not have heard of them before and just try and um, explain how they're going to impact golfers as they, as they go about their games. So I, I suppose from a GB&I point of view, the really big one is the move to course rating minus par which obviously brings Great Britain and Ireland into line with a lot of other uh, WS jurisdictions that have been using course rating minus par for a long time. Now, that now just just the, the name course rating minus par sounds complicated. So if you could just explain what course rating minus par is for us in a very simple way and how it's going to impact on our everyday golf. Well, course rate and minus par. To be honest with you, it's probably something that we, it should have been introduced from from the beginning. Um, I think anybody who was involved with decisions at that time probably hold their hands up with that. Um, but basically, it's an just it's an adjustment for the difference between the course rating and the par of the course, and that is added onto your course handicap calculation. It sounds complicated, but it really isn't. Um, so currently, our course handicap calculation is your handicap index times by slope of your course divided by 113. With course rate minus par, it's going to be added under the end of that calculation. So it's now going to be handicap index multiplied by slope divided by 113 plus course rate minus par. Now, one of the big things that is probably a lot of feedback from golfers at golf clubs is, oh, 42 points is one, 45 points is one, 46 points is one, uh, all this kind of stuff. Well, actually, one thing I always ask of these courses is what is your course rating compared to your par? Because currently, to shoot your handicaps, you've got to forget about par and look at your course rating. Um, So if your course rating is, say, 70, but your par of the course is 72, then actually, to play to your handicap score is 38 points. Vice versa, if your par was 70, but your course handicap was 72, to play at your handicap is only 34 points. So what course rate and minus par will do, it'll bring everything back to 36 points or net par. And it'll just make everything a lot simpler for golfers so they'll know exactly where they stand in terms of have I shot me handicap or not, yes or no. But what it will also mean is your handicap will probably change a little bit more depending on what course or what T-set you play off. So if you take the Hodgkin course at Woodhall Spa, for example, um, from the white tees, the, the par is 73 and the course rating is 74.4. So what is that? essentially that's going to mean is you're going to get 1.4 shots back on your on your handicap. So that means if a scratch player goes to play the Hodgkin, they're going to get one and a half shots. So. 
Simple. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to make this even simpler for people. Uh, I'm going to explain this how I've written this in the piece, and hopefully, hopefully, this will. If, if James hasn't explained it simply enough, this will this will do it for you. If the power of your course is lower than the course rating, you will receive extra strokes. If the power is higher, you will lose strokes, and this will apply to every handicap. So at my course, I used to play a course called Sandburn Hall in York. It has a course rating of seventy three point six, but a power of seventy two. That will see one point six shots added to every course handicap whether it's a scratch player a plus player or a 28 handicapper every course handicap will get 1.6 shots added in that case but if we had a course rating with a course of sorry a course with a course rating of 69.5 and a par of 70 every single player that plays would see half a shot taken from their course handicap i think that's pretty simple isn't it it's pretty pretty bang on, and the the other thing that's that's really positive is the effect it's going to have on mixed T competitions. Um, so essentially, we've got the mixed T calculator, which has been adapted and will be sent out to clubs and counties. Um, but essentially, what it'll mean is your handicap will just be the difference of what the course rate versus the par is, whatever T set you play off. And then, in terms of a mixed T mixed gender, it'll it'll come into the um, back to the differentials and the par. Do you think that, that that golfers have largely misunderstood that they've essentially for the past two and a half years or three and a half years of WHS been playing to the course rating and not the par of the course? Because we, as golfers, we, you know, we get a scorecard in our hand and it says par 72 and we think that's we think that's par, don't we? We think par 72. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously since November 2020, that's not been the case, but it will be the case from April the 1st next year. Yeah, it will be the case from April the first next year, um, and it, it'll just create simplicity for everyone because now thirty six points is thirty six points, which is what we've always played to. <laughs> yeah, and and another thing I think uh, to mention is that um, currently at the moment, I think as a, as a man playing um, on different T sets, if I play between white, yellow, and red, or whatever the colours are, I might not necessarily see my handicap move too much. I mean, I know, for example, when I first did my first WHS round was at Ganton and my handicap didn't move at all between the white and the yellow tees. It was exactly the same. Obviously, the differential when Matt's adjusted score was calculated would have been different, but the number of shots I received on that particular day were the same. Are we going to see our course handicaps moving a bit more between tee sets now as course rating minus pars applied? Yeah, you, you probably will do, and it'll, it'll it'll clearly depend on the 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 course rate and difference between the different T sets, and also whether there's going to be a different par between the T sets as well. Um, there is another change that I think we'll get onto later, but it's obviously going to have an effect effect there as well. So, um, it's you you go somewhere like Rock Rockcliffe Hall, um, County Durham, you've got a magnitude of T sets there from the from the gold gold tape tips which are about seven and a half thousand yards long to the front tees which is about five and a half six thousand yards i think well essentially the back tees is uh course rating is seven shots higher than the par where in the front it's maybe two shots less so there could be a differential of like nine shots between the back tee and the front tee so it's, it's going to have quite a significant difference when you start doing your mixed tee mixed tee um events it'll make it a lot easier for the golfers to understand and know exactly where they are when they stood in the, stood in the tee. Yeah. I, 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 this is probably not something you can comment on, but it's an observation I have about course rating minus par. And I, ju- I just want people to think about 
um, the impact it might have on low handicappers, particularly on layouts that have a more difficult course rating. So I, I talked earlier on about about Sandburn Hall, which has a seventy three point six course rating. I want to, I want you to imagine as a scratch handicapper and an eighteen handicapper, both of them are going to get one point six shots and the course rating minus par. So which of those golfers? Is likely to find that more beneficial. I suppose the one that the scratch golfer might find 1.6 shots more beneficial than perhaps a 24 handicapper would. And the other thing I just want to point out on this, I may be wrong about it. You can tell me, James, if I am. But the scratch handicapper that gets those 1.6 shots will not see that subject to as big a chop under the playing handicap in club competitions either, because the 95% clearly won't affect them in the same way that it would affect a higher handicapper. So there may be, for courses that have a more difficult course rating, there may be a benefit there for lower handicappers. I suppose the the opposite is true. In in the 69.570 example, obviously, a scratch handicapper is going to lose half a shot. So it works Mm -hmm. both ways as well. But there is is some some interesting elements around it. I mean, even with your second example there is the... The, the scratch golfer may lose a shot of a lower course rating um, course, but it might have a little bit of a bigger effect on a higher handicapper because then they'll have their, 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 their say, shot off the course, but then also 95%, which might take another shot off them. So it, it could be an additional um, additional whammy for, for higher handicappers. But it also goes back to... Um, how clubs are running their competitions as well in their terms of competitions. Um, so it's probably something they need to reflect on and, and, and just review how they run their competitions and, and what kind of effect this is going to have. Yeah, so let's move on because we've got a lot of changes and, and, yep. and limited time. So let's um, let's look at probably, I mean, outside, course rating minus par obviously affects everybody. Um, which is why we've um, why we've led with this, but probably the most eye catching change uh, within WHS is that four ball better ball scores can, in very certain circumstances, now now count for handicap. Um, let's um, let this is the criteria for this is complicated, and I think that we we, we need to spend some time um, having a look at it. Um, Four ball better ball scores are still not an acceptable score within WHS. That's true, isn't it, James? Yes, that is true. Yeah. But there is, but there is a there is a clause. There is a certain criteria mm-hmm. in which um, the the rounds um, from a four ball better ball could actually count for a player's handicap. So let let's go through this. Um, it's important to note very much at this stage that this change will only apply to competition scores, not general player scores. It's not an acceptable general player score, and it will only happen if a strict set of criteria are met. So let's talk about that criteria because there's plenty of it, isn't there? There is, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you, you, you see it's complicated. To be honest with you, I find it really simple, whether it's because I've been around it and talked about it for long enough. But... Um, Essentially, yeah. So in the competition scores, we're we're going to make them scores acceptable for handicapping purposes. Now, just want to clarify that this is not most likely score. Um, I've already had a few questions around that. We are not implementing most likely score that is used in other jurisdictions. This is completely different. So what happens is um, we will look, the, the, the criteria is as followed. If the team... Um, has a total pair score 
of at least 42 points or six under the par and one player has scored on a minimum of nine holes the player who has scored on a minimum of nine holes will have their score upscaled to an 18 hole score and if that equates to 36 points or more it will be added to the handicap index as an acceptable score it's pretty as simple as that because so, <laughs> so the, the idea is we want people to just continue playing football better ball in the way that they play football better ball yeah there was some talk about um their upscaled scores for holes that have not been played based being based on what their playing partners scored on various holes is that the case that is correct yeah so based on what their playing partner has scored the the they will either get zero points one point or one and a half points and it's those it's those points totals from those holes that they've not played that essentially apply to the upscaled score. And if yeah. that's if that total score is then thirty six or more, then yeah. it then it can be, then the yeah. score will be added to the player's record. So you that's, say it's you say it's simple. It's just because yeah, it's obviously because you've just been around it for a while. Yeah, and to be honest with you, it's one of these things as well that there is a bit of a caveat on this. Because um, we have Doc Golf working very hard to make sure that the computer will do all this work, um, so we have been told it will be ready by the first of April um, for the software. But if it isn't ready by the first of April, it it may be pushed back a little bit. Um, but this is this is this is the plan. This is what we're going with. Um, the reason why it's forty two points and six hundred par because generally when that person scores um, upskilled, it will. Nine times out of ten, always hit the thirty-six points. Um, now we did. We, we at our last workshops last year, we we caveated a lot of the audiences to, to say, "How would you feel about football better ball um, with this set of criteria?" And it was very welcome. It was welcomed um, uh, by by the golfing community. This one, obviously, I know it'll be my might to some people, but ultimately, it's it's one of these things that when you play golf, it's it's an accept. It's a format that you're playing. And we can we can measure your ability from it. Now you can, I suppose you can um, fashion the message from this in a particular way. Um, as a journalist, <laughs> I would I would say that um, part of the idea behind this is is that that four ball better ball competitions at clubs are often controversial. There is a feeling throughout a lot of clubs that there are individuals within those clubs that perhaps don't play a lot of individual scores, but play a lot of team and play a lot of better ball scores and win prizes. And presumably this will add a layer of security. I imagine for some clubs Um, that will add a layer of security for some clubs who, 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 for those, for those who are worried about better ball competitions, spat that out eventually, didn't they? (laughs) But But on the other hand, you could also see this as an opportunity for people who perhaps don't put in a lot of individual scores for whatever reason, perhaps they're not comfortable in individual formats, perhaps they just like playing in teams. Um, uh, It will give them the opportunity to put more acceptable scores in inverted commas for handicap as well. So, I mean, you can look at it too as the journalists will always look at it one way, but there is another side to it as well. No, absolutely. And and you're completely spot on. And that's the thing around this. It's um, it is about, we need to try and get more score data in and this is going to support this. Um, 
which is which is really positive. Like you say, it might have a knock-on effect where people are like oh, I've got to start putting. I'm gonna to have to start putting scores in now because. I might get cut every time I play a football better ball. Okay, we all know the types of people at our golf clubs. Um, there's there's always members where you kind of think, oh, well, they've ended. I'm not, I'm not going to bother entering this, this this week, but hopefully it's going to have quite a positive impact. Um, knowing that any time you go out and play golf, it's potentially going to have an impact on your handicap. And I think we all know like the majority of the Opens that are out there are football better ball or Texas scramble or team events. Obviously, we're not doing Texas scramble or team events, but for four ball bell ball them open scores can be can be put in now as well um so it's it's a very exciting development um and i'm looking forward to seeing to seeing the impact it's going to have but it's also going to help them handicap committees because i think at the minute at the minute handicap committees can use any evidence they want they can use four ball bell ball scores to adjust handicaps but i think sometimes they might be a little bit afraid to do so so hopefully this is just going to give them more support more evidence when they look at scores yeah, so let, let's just recap this if we can for, for people who've been listening in. So from April, competition scores from better ball formats such as stroke play, Stableford and Parboki can potentially be used for handicap purpose. Again, that will only apply to competition scores, not general play. And if this specific set of criteria are met, a pair must have scored 42 points or more. One of the pair must have scored on a minimum of nine holes. That player's round will then be upscaled with the points for their unplayed, uh, unplayed holes added based on their playing partner's score. There will be zero points if there is no score, one point if their partner has scored a point on a hole, and 1.5 points added where their partner has scored two or more points on a hole. If that player's total score is then 36 or more, the score differential will be calculated and that score will be added to the player's record. If it does not, it will not be acceptable for handicap purposes. It may be part of that player's best day, it may not, but it will appear on their record Mm -hmm. nonetheless. Sums it up. Sums it up pretty nicely. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> um, so that's that's the second change of many changes, actually, and we'll get on to um, the third change, uh, which is um, something new. Uh, it's called expected score. So this is a change, isn't it, in the way that nine hole scores are upscaled in eighteen holes, and how any holes that are not played during a round are dealt with now. People may be familiar with um, the old way of sorting this out, which was um, if you'd played at least 10 holes, add net par plus one additional stroke for the first hole played. And then if you'd played at least 14 holes, add net par. And I think people knew, I think people had a general idea of when they played nine holes that their round would be upscaled to a standard of 17 Stableford points for the second nine. Um, I, I think the argument here is that this wasn't a particularly accurate way of 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 basically getting someone's handicap to where it needed to be there were there were some caveats within that system so expected score is going to try and be a lot more accurate and provide a prediction of what a player would score on those holes rather than using net pass if you could just explain um expected score for me and how it's going to work for both nine holes and for holes not played yeah so essentially what what it means is it's um so obviously nine holes, you've got 17, 17 points on net par plus one. For holes not played, it was um, net par plus one for the first hole and net pars, depending on how many holes you played. Um, 
basically what expected scoring is is the score of a player is expected to achieve over a specified number of holes on a course of standard difficulty it is calculated using the player's handicap index and attributes a numerical value against any hole or holes not played during a round that is what expected scoring is now the numerical value is a hidden value um, so I'm unable to tell you what that is um, but what it will do it will make it more accurate for players and it will be unique to players and their handicap indexes that's what it'll mean so from a nine hole uh, upscale and point of view you will have a nine hole score differential calculated um, just like it is now then that will spit out a number uh, and then what will happen is the expected nine hole score differential using expected scoring will be created and then they'll be combined together to create the 18 hole score differential um, so if I use an example here I've got a player with a course handicap of 16 um, par of 36 for the nine holes they've scored 42 so for the calculation of nine hole score differential be 113 divided by 125 which is that nine hole slope rating times by 42 minus the nine hole course rating which was 36 so that will equal a course rating uh, sorry a score differential of 5.42 for that player then what will happen is um the expected score uses the player equation um with a player of a handicap index of 16.0 and that comes out at 9.52 so we're going to add 5.42 plus 9.52 together and that'll create your 18 hole score differential of 14.9 right that's how it's going to work thank you for the maths thank you for the maths indeed it um, wasn't off the top of my head i've read it off my screen <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing to to note, and perhaps I should have said this actually for Stableford, so this gives me an opportunity for four ball better ball scoring. So this gives me an opportunity to do that as well. The point is with both four ball better ball scoring and with expected score, these are automated calculations. Golfers are not going to have to do anything with either of this. No. They just they they just play their golf, and then the software will take care of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Exactly. And essentially, that's what these changes are about. Um, they, they are about um, making the golf, making it easy for the golfer. And all they've got to do is go hit the white ball into the hole, put how many it's took them on the scorecard, getting the clubhouse, put in the computer, and the computer will work that out for them. And that's where we want to get to. And then the yeah. golfer can obviously track the handicap on the MyEG app or their ISV app. Uh, one other point to mention for people who maybe got a bit lost in the maths um, was the, the the 113 number refers to the course of standard difficulty which yeah. you which you talked about earlier yeah 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 um I, I think on an earlier podcast a few months ago you you um very eloquently put it that if you're a scratch golfer you're a scratch golfer off a course of 113 with a course rating and a par of the of the same that's essentially what your handicap index is um, so that's why 113 is always used in the calculations. Yeah. Eloquent. I'm not sure that sounds like me. I don't um, think Tom would ever call you eloquent. But... <laughs> he'd, call, he'd call me quite a lot of other things. Um, <laughs> I, think so. I, can, I, I can assure you of that. Um, I mean, so I think we've covered expected score there. I mean, it's obviously something that, that that's 
Um, very interesting. I think um, I, I had a chat with um, Gemma Hunter and Claire Bates at the RNA, and, and they said something very specific about expected score, uh, which was between portability of nine and 18 holes. And one of the things they said, James, was that they'd had some feedback from people who played a lot of nine hole golf, but not necessarily a lot of 18 hole golf, who didn't think that the 17 point calculation was necessarily fair. Um, and obviously, the, you know, there are some some low handicappers, for example, would fancy them scales scoring more than 17 points over the next nine holes. Maybe some high handicappers would score more than 17. Maybe they'd score lower than 17. But there was this kind of idea that you were almost like you were losing a point almost. You were almost being punished essentially for playing nine holes and that perhaps the, the handicap yeah. then when they then went to play 18 holes wasn't necessarily as accurate as it, as it might be. But expected score for, for people who play nine hole golf, it should be a big advantage to them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely should be a, a bit of an advantage. It'll give them more of a true reflection for the handicap. Um, just out of curiosity, I've got three examples here. Um, of different handicap indexes. So I've got a four, a 10, and then a, a 16. Using a, a course rating of 36 and a slope rating of 118, um, the, everyone, say they all shoot 42 over the nine, so their nine-hole score differential will all be 5.42. But with their expected scoring, the four handicap player, his 18-hole score differential or their horse, 18 horse score difference will be 8.7. The 10 handicap player would be 11.8. And the 16 handicap player would be 14.9. So you can see where the expected scoring is being unique to their to their different handicaps and more reflective of what they would be. Yeah, and, and, and that's a really interesting point, isn't it? That you know, you, golfers are not going to be able to sit around a table and work out what their expected score is going to be universally. It is personal to each player and their handicap index. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's personal because and it'll, it'll it'll fluctuate depending on how your handicap index goes up or down. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff indeed. Let's move on. We've got much more still to talk about. I want to talk about um, a, a potentially. I mean, it might it, it give? It's going to give players more options, certainly with with how they want to play their golf. Um, but this is the the new RNA and USGA rules on uh, shorter length courses being able to apply for course ratings. So at yeah. the moment. At the moment, for a for a course to be eligible for um, a USGA course rating, it has to be three thousand yards, at least three thousand yards over eighteen holes, or fifteen hundred yards over nine holes to be eligible. And those numbers, I, I mean, are we bringing this in in April as well? I know it comes into effect in January. Well, this one comes to effect from January. Essentially, it's not going to have any effect on on GB&I until April anyway, when our course rating season starts. We only rate courses between April and October, because um, obviously that's our main growing, that's our growing season for the, for the grass. So um, the the time dates, uh, it doesn't really make much of a difference <laughs> for the course rating one. I don't blame you, but but those th- but those numbers of, um, of 3,000 yards and 1,500 yards for nine holes are going to be halved. So yes. um, 1,500 yards will now be the minimum length an 18-hole course can be, and 750 yards will be the minimum length course a nine-hole course can be. Um, and that offers... Uh, a number of interesting opportunities, I've, I think. I mean, clearly there is um, 
an option for far more uh, perhaps non-traditional golf facilities, par three courses, academy courses, shorter courses to um, get WHS course ratings. And, and clearly there's a possibility for um, affiliation with various governing bodies and extra income for governing bodies. However, um, I also think that these these types of courses are often a first rung for uh starter players people who are beginning the journey um because obviously uh, you know a six and a half thousand yard 18 hole course is a lot to ask a beginner to get along with and so we often start out at pitch and putts at driving ranges and so on and there's an opportunity here now i think for for those courses that are rated james to get on the handicap ladder perhaps earlier than they might have done absolutely um it's a it's a, it's a very exciting change. Um, I think it's something that is uh, is going to, to to really have quite a nice impact. It's it's hopefully going to get more people into the game. It's not even just about um, getting new facilities on board, path three course or anything like that. It also gives our, our current affiliated golf clubs options um, for for how they look at maybe junior golf programs or getting the golf programs and and should, can we make our course a bit shorter should, should we have a course from the 100 yard disc you know and um it's it's just going to give so many different options for for for, for what what um what golf clubs can do um don't get us wrong it was it was quite a shock to see it see it half because obviously you look over 18 holes you, you know, you're looking about 90 yards hole 80, 90 yards hole, so just very short courses. But again, it's going to be, um, it's going to have a positive, positive impact on essentially getting more people into the game, which is, which is what we want. And, and however much some club golfers might whinge and be curmudgeonly about this, I mean, it is a stated aim, isn't it, of the RNA and the USGA to get people, as many people as possible, having official handicaps, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, we want more people to have uh, handicaps. We want more people to be able to track their game, to enjoy their game, game of golf in the way that they feel they want to enjoy playing golf. Um, so it is, it is quite an exciting, exciting prospect. Uh, just, just one thing you, you can help me with. I imagine there might be some players who say, how can a handicap index that's gained from a course that's essentially 750 yards be portable to an 18 hole golf course but this is i think something that the rna and usga and, you, and yourselves within congo have thought quite hard about actually you know the min this is why the minimum lengths are what they are right yeah it is it is and then there does need to be a slight adaptation to course rating for them shorter courses um which is what will make it more um transferable and accessible at the end of the day if you the same argue, argument can be had from playing seven and a half thousand yards off Rockcliffe Hall's gold tees to their their front tees, um, which is two thousand yards shorter. How people can ask the same: How is that kind of transferable as it? But ultimately, it will be, especially with course rate and minus par coming into play as well, because that'll take in the difference between the par of the course and the course rate of the course. Um, so it's 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 all transferable. Um, that's what course rating is about. Yeah, it's interesting to see there. I'm sure we'll get onto this in a little bit when we talk about unrounded handicaps, that, that all of these things allow different things, course rating minus par to unrounded handicaps to shorter courses. They're all part of a bigger circle. Yeah, exactly. Course rating minus par is very, very key with this. I mean, 
I mean, you, you look at this. This is one of the, the one of the most key messages that come out of WHS when it first was when it was first started was not every golf course is the same. Every golf course has different challenges. Some golfers are, golf courses are much harder than others. Some golf courses are much easier than others. So your the handicap previously wasn't really transferable. Was it fair that I should have a five handicap playing of a seven and a half thousand yard course? Is it the same as a five handicap playing of a five thousand yard course? Essentially, not really. Um, so with the course rating and then course rating minus par, it they'll, they'll then give you the shots that you need to get round a golf course. Yeah, that's what it'll give you. Yeah, not not for you to comment on this, obviously, but I I do wonder whether now we'll actually see um, some of some of the benefits of of WHS that we were promised from the very beginning with this, particularly you know as we go around course portability. I, mean, I I remember the first time I went to Carnoustie and barely seeing my handicap move and thinking, how can, how can this be possible? Like this, this course is way harder than anything I've done before. But course rating minus par will will provide much Absolutely. more of an impact in that respect. Yeah. And I think it's one of these things where like a common myth or misconception is that slope rating is the difficulty of a course. I mean, essentially, it's not actually a slope rating is the difference between the scratch golfer and the, and the and a bogey golfer. And, it was reflective of how many shots that you get get on a course. Well, actually, it's we've now got the course rating versus the par within that, which is which is ultimately the difficulty of the course. Is it playing harder or more difficult than the par? Yeah. Um, competitions over fewer than eighteen holes. Um, so we all know, obviously, about nine hole competitions. Um, they've they've been standard within handicapping mm-hmm. for a while, and obviously about eighteen holes. And we know that. Um, we know that the handicapping software has always had um, measures in place to deal with holes not played and holes not started. But I don't think we've seen um, the new clause to Rule 3.2, I'm going to get very technical, in the rules of handicapping before, which is going to allow competition committees to hold events over what they quote a non-standard number of holes. So that means that theoretically, under this change, a club could decide to have a competition over 14 holes, or they could have a competition over 16 holes, or they could have a competition over 13 holes. Mm -hmm. And those rounds would now count, or will now count, for WHS, right? That's correct, yeah. Um, First thing I'll say is it'll make no difference to the result of the competition. Result of the competition, the result of the competition. We are talking solely about inputting a score to go for your handicap. Um, so yes, because of expected scoring, and because of we know it's a lot more accurate than using net power and net power plus one. Um, that that can now be allowed. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons why. A club might do this. I mean, for example, my own club holds sixteen hole competitions in the winter because it's you know there's not enough light essentially for everyone who might want to play in the event to get to get to get round. Um, and previously, they've just blanketly said this 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 score's not going to count for world handicapping purposes because we're only playing sixteen holes. But they but they could now um, have that score count. Yeah, essentially. To be honest with you, Steve. Um... It's it. They, they could count now, in a technical sense, if there's a valid reason for the hole yeah. not being open. So, for example, if it's closed for course maintenance or or whatnot. Um, but no, essentially, golf clubs now have an additional option to do what they need to do. Winter is a great example when we've got less light. 
can we get down to 12 holes, 14 holes, 16 holes, um, get more people around. Um, it'll, it'll also give them an option of not splitting holes in two and stuff like that. So it'll be, um, it's an exciting prospect and again, gives more options to golf clubs to be able to cater for their golf membership or visitors. Yeah, I imagine there are some um, shorter courses, 12-hole courses. I've got one near me called Heweth that is 11 holes um, that might find this very beneficial because they could hold actual events over their stated course rather than having to you know, go back onto their second tees to make it up to 18. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've had the, I've had the um, conversations with a with the, uh, golf club up in, up in Northumberland um, their senior section regular regularly runs 13 hole competitions because the 13th hole 13th green is next to the clubhouse, <laughs> um, so it's easy for them all to walk, walk in and obviously they can get get more people around. Um, so it's 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 going to help that golf club for sure. Yeah, we're just going to move finally on to a couple of technical ones um, that probably won't make a lot of difference to the way people play their golf, um, but but they might see something around their handicaps or around their course pars that might provide some interest to them. So we're going to talk about we're going to talk about first unrounded handicaps and then standardising par. So so currently um, under our regime at the moment. Um, our course handicap is currently calculated to decimal places and then is rounded into a whole number. And that's the number that people will see on their WHS boards at their club. So, you know, their, their course handicap might be, sorry, their handicap index might be 10.6. They have a look at the board. The board says that they're 12. Um, but if your club has uh, certain software capabilities from April, that might change slightly. So just just explain to us what an unrounded handicap is, how it will work and what impact it might have for us. Yeah, so essentially what happens now is um, your handicap index is um, obviously calculated using a course handicap um, calculator um, and it will give out a... A number, say your handicap is um, ten, and you play. Say you say you play in the Hodgkin course for the white tees, and your handicap is ten. Well, your course handicap using the current, <coughs> sorry, using the current calculation, it would be thirteen point three six two eight three one. That's the number we'll spit out. What will happen is then, uh, what happens now is it's, it's rounded down to the nearest integer, so you'd get thirteen, right? That's your course handicap. And then for your playing handicap, it'll be 90, 95% of 13, which might be um, 11.3 something, 11.75 or whatever. Then it's rounded again to 12. So there's a bit of a double rounding in there. Um, it's not massively so accurate. Can... It's, it's not, sorry, James. It's not massively accurate, that, though, is it? Rounding down and then rounding back up. I mean, it's yeah, not a precision it's, calculation. It's not, it's not a it? precision calculation. And it, there, there's a bit of a... Um, Proving the pudding that around some certain some handicap indexes, it ends up being counterintuitive. So a player ends up losing a shot when actually they should have a shot. Um, so what what's going to happen now is the course handicap um, where computer precision is available. So mainly when you're using say my AJ app or your um, or your ISV software for competitions. So it, the course handicap will become unrounded. So what will happen is that um, course handicap um, calculation will come, come in, includes course rate minus par. So because course handicap will be um, 
of 10 of the white tees on the Hodgkin, your course handicap will come out at 14.762. Um, so then what will happen is the plane handicap will be based on uh, 14.76 times by whatever the handicap allowance is. So say if it's 95%, obviously 0.95. So then that means the player will get 14 shots. So the rounding will happen at the plane handicap stage, not the course handicap stage. Yeah. So, so this um, this uh, provides an interesting thing, I think, for um, general play rounds when people are putting general play rounds in, and obviously their handicap is not being rounded at that stage by playing handicap. Uh, are we going to see what? I, what I mean is, I've, I've explained this very poorly, but I think you're going to get the drift in a second. When we click on our app for a general play round, are we going to start seeing 13.762 no. on our apps? No, that, that'll still be rounded in, in terms in terms of that. Um, so, no, you'll not see 14.7 odd 6 1. Basically, what will happen is the um, obviously your allowance will, will just be like 100% more or less. <laughs> um, because it's just a general play around. It's you're not playing in a competition. You're not playing about anybody else. All you're trying to do is score the best you can on every hole, and then that's going to spit out a number at the end. So you pass seventy, and say you've shot four of a pie, it'll be seventy-four, and then your handicap will be based off that adjusted gross score of seventy-four. Um, so for general play around, it doesn't matter. It's it's mainly for the competition rounds where your computer precision is is required. So we've so. got. I mean, so an awful lot of clubs have course handicap boards at the moment that have obviously been based yes, on on the old um the old uh measurements we, and without course rating minus par are those boards essentially going to become redundant from april well what's interesting on the course handicap boards and this is something i want to try and get out to golf clubs um we don't need the boards anymore essentially um they aren't a mandatory requirement for clubs to have um so I want golf clubs to seriously have a think about whether or not they need their handicap boards. If they do, that's absolutely fine. New slope tables can be produced. Uh, they can be printed off. They can be put in the clubhouse. They can be put in the pro shop. They can put a notice board. You can put it on a board if you want to. I know one club that's getting a new board, but they're going to put a QR code on the board instead. So that means they can keep that QR code as up to date as possible. Um, so essentially, the boards aren't required because ultimately there's going to be more ways for golfers to understand what their what their handicap is, um, and essentially the calculations are changing are all for competition purposes anyway. Where there is the ability to use the ISV software they have available to them, their PSI machines in the clubhouse and etc. I mean, at my club, they've got uh, they've got big shiny boards um, at the at the front of the clubhouse. I mean, those boards are not going to be accurate anymore, are they? In April, when no, course rate they're not. Minus they're not going to be in. accurate. No, essentially, no, they're not. Um, England Golf will have a pot of money to give clubs to a contribution to a new board. Um, how that looks at the minute, I'm not quite sure. Um, I will be communicating that out to clubs within the next couple of weeks. But do you think this is also about, I mean, about education? I'm, I'm not sure you can comment on the specifics of this in itself, but I, but I want to talk about 
you know, certain clubs' mobile phone policies, for example. There, there are clubs that really, really that that where mobile phones are very heavily um, not. I don't want to say forbidden because I don't know in all cases, but the use of them is incredibly restricted, uh, and yet it appears. Um, through these WHS changes that we're encouraging golf clubs to go down a much more digital route. I mean, those the, the information that they need is on their phone, either on their ISV software, you know, whether it's the IG app or Club Systems app or whatever, Handicap Master or whatever people use. It's mm-hmm. also there on the MyEG app as well. That information is there in the yeah. palm of someone's hands. They don't necessarily need to run around looking for a board so there might be some no. clubs i mean clearly where clubs don't have software um that's going to be more of an issue for them and they may need to consider getting a new board but but for those clubs who might be up in arms and saying you know i we, we're not going to have to spend x number of pounds getting a new board i mean the reality is if they, if they allow if they've got those if they've got software within their club for running competitions they don't need a board people can do it through their phones Hundred um, percent. I think that's one. That it's, it's a good time for golf cl- golf clubs to reflect on actually what's the customer journey like at their golf club. So as they're pulling into the car park, where's that golfer's next steps? Where where are they going to walk to? Where do, visitors? All visitors have to go sign into the sign in the pro shop, pay, pay the green fee, get the green ticket. Um, have a think about where you where you can have either your um, slope tables printed out or even where you can put your computer terminals. So that means people can easily readily um, access their handicap if they, if they want to. Um, again, obviously we, we, we're in a, it's, it's 2023. Um, smartphones are, uh, are, are all over now. Obviously I, I, I am appreciative that some people don't have them, which is why I'm asking golf clubs to think about their customer journey and where people can access the handicap if they need to. Um, but, but yes, it's WHS is about embracing that digital technology and making things easier for golfers to do essentially for golfers just to go out and play golf. Um, ultimately these changes, unless you're putting in a comp, unless you're in a competition or a general play around for social golf, it's not going to make any difference. Just go out with your mates, have fun, hit the white ball into the hole and see who wins. Yeah. We, we've talked an awful lot and I appreciate it for people. There's, there's, an awful lot to get your heads around here and um that's why we've done it in podcast form so you can rewind and re-listen and, ha- and have another go and make sure that you're all happy with it the final one we're going to talk about it's very technical indeed um and it's around standardizing par so we may all know of a course that has a par four from the back tees but might be a par three further forward or might be a par five from the back tees and a par four further forward and the rules of handicapping had essentially set down guidelines or limits um, depending you know for sort of minimum length or maximum minimum length of pars um, standardizing pars going to alter that in a way isn't there and I've seen some because things always get out before deadlines and I've seen some comment about standardizing par where people have talked about par fives and par fours and said how can a 500 yard par five still be a par five when it's off 400 yards off the off the forward tee so let's just briefly explain what standardizing par is going to mean for golf clubs because it's going to be specific for golf clubs rather than golfers um and how these changes might be implemented within the new guidelines james yeah so 
standardising par will allow clubs to retain the same par for each gender across all tee sets rated for that gender, regardless of the yardage of each hole and tee set. So currently using Appendix F, the rules of handicapping, there's um, there's an allocation of par which centres around them them yardage limits. Um, now this has always generally been, been accepted due to traditionally only having a tee set rated for one gender. Obviously we're moving towards multi-tees, shorter... Uh, multiple tees per genders, um, shorter red tees not being rated for men, a few longer holes for women, shorter holes for women. It, there's a multitude of, of options available because of course rating. So currently a hole which places a par five on the white and the other tees will fall short of the minute than the same par on the red tees um, is being advised as a par four at the minute. But we could have that as a par five. Essentially the, the reason being is players who will end up playing off the forward tees because of maybe they're not as experienced as someone playing with the yellows and whites, we'll still probably be playing that as a par five. Um, and it's it's how the hole was designed to be played, um, not just based on the length of the hole. Um, so that's where the standardisation of par comes into place. And it also, we were always previously trying to get the course rate and the par as close together as possible. Um, with the with the old course handicap calculation, but now with course rate and minus par, it doesn't matter. So there's some courses out there that'll go from a par 71 to a par 73, depending on on what 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 happens um, on on certain holes. Well, actually, they just keep it all as a par 70, and the course rate and they'll change, and the handicap index will change accordingly. Um, I will stress is this is this isn't a mandatory requirement. Clubs have choice on this. Um, don't get us wrong, I think it'll be a lot easier if you standardise the par across all men's T-sets and all women's T-sets. Then you've only got one scorecard. A lot easier. Um, but Because obviously there's a lot of shorter courses for, for men being rated like the Reds, but sometimes the pars end up being like a 65 or a 66 or a 67. They don't need to do that and they keep it as a, keep it as a 70 um, or a 72. Um, but it'll just, it'll just, it just simplifies things. That's what yeah, it's about. I- I mean, and that as well, standardising par alongside um, some of the measures that are being implemented in course rating minus par. The whole idea is to try and make playing golf across genders a lot easier, right? Absolutely. That's essentially what it's about as well, yeah. Um, I mean, don't get us wrong, it's one of these, it's one of these things that happen around course rating and obviously rating T-sets for both men and women. One thing I want golf courses to, to think about is the fact is, do you offer choice for both your men and men and women golfers? As a man, I'm very privileged. Majority of golf courses I go to, I can choose between three or four tee sets. Most of the times as a woman, you've only got choice between one, possibly two. So you've now got to start thinking about what options are you giving to your golfers? Do you have an aging golfer population at your golf club and your membership? Do you need to have sort of shorter tee sets? Um, or vice versa? Do you have probably not but do you have like a lot of um young people who bomb the ball 300 plus yards so you've got to have a bit of a longer taste set have a think about how you can cater to your membership and to your visitors um standardizing par is just an, another tool for golf clubs to to utilize um essentially if you did standardize your part it probably does make things a lot a lot easier yeah um some massive changes here overall um, and I suppose for some golfers, it will be a bit disorientating, um, given that we're, you know, we need to remember that 
in the life of handicapping, WHS is still a small child, really. It hasn't been around um, that long. I mean, for those of us in GB&I since, since just November 2020. So would your message be as, as golfers look to get to grips with course rating minus par uh, and four ball, better ball in particular, um, just to be patient and just to just to try and educate themselves over the next four or five months so that when we get into the new season, um, we can hit the ground running with this. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is um it is a it is a patient game. There's gonna be a couple of changes um that will affect that will affect golfers. Um ultimately we're trying to make these changes as automated as possible, so it's just using the computer software. But ultimately for golfers, be patient. We will be getting education out to your counties and to your golf clubs so they can give you as much support as possible on the changes and understanding of them. Um but ultimately, what we want golfers to do is just go out, put the ball into the hole, put the scorecard in the computer, and their handicap will take care of itself. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I'm sure we'll look all look forward to seeing these uh, changes implemented in April in GB&I. Uh, James, thank you very much for spending some of your time uh, coming on and explaining these changes for us. I know that you, you and... Um, the other Congo members have been working very hard on these over the last year or so, and it will be uh, always interesting to see how they go down with golfers. So, again, thanks very much for joining us, and, uh, and good luck with it over the next few months. No, thank you very much. Um, you've mentioned, you've plugged my name in that many times over the past few months on the podcast, Steve. It's, it's nice to get an invite back on and have a have a chat about things. But, uh, yeah, look, at, at the end of the day, changes, changes come about. These rules get reviewed every four years they'll always be following the rules of golf change. Um, I think this is probably the biggest changes that's going to come about because um, obviously so soon after inception. Um, but ultimately, WHS is here to stay. It works appropriately. Um, you have proved over the summer by putting your scores in for every time you've played golf that your handicap becomes reflective of your ability. Um and it's as simple as that. Put, make sure you've put in regular scorecards in. You don't have to do it every time, but regular scorecards in. Your handicap will come to take care of itself um, and the system works. Yeah, 23 rounds. Um, I put in and it went up 0.1. It went up from 10.9 to 11. There was some good stuff. Yeah. There was some bad stuff. There was some horrible stuff. There was some amazing stuff. It stayed the same. I'm no longer a single. I can't call myself a single finger handicapper anymore, James. This reality, well, WHS is my new reality. You've, You've got the potential. You had two rounds in the seventies around York, didn't you? So, I did. um, but no, there, there you go. It's um, uh, Steve. Steve, you, you've proved a lot of me points. If you put your put your cards in, you know, the twenty three cards over a season isn't isn't a lot. It's it's a regular. It's probably one one a week. I think we, we worked out that if you if you're aiming for something like that, then your handicap's going to be reflective of what what it is. I get some people emailing me in saying handicap systems rubbish doesn't work. I can't compete. But they've only put five cards in this year, and the twenty scores are made up from twenty twenty one. Well, actually, if you put more scores in, got twenty scorecards in from the last summer, your handicap's going to be reflective of where you are. Yeah, mine's a complete straight line. 
um, which I suppose yeah. proves the point that you were saying. Um, I'm particularly looking forward to course rating minus par as a, as someone towards the lower end of the scale. Any anything that gives me more shots <laughs> on some of the courses that I play is very welcome, particularly at close hours, which is an absolute monster of a course rating off the whites and the blues. So very much looking forward to next season already. Again, James, thanks for joining us. Uh, to all listeners out there, hope you enjoyed that. If you haven't already, please could you uh, subscribe to our podcast um, through your usual providers. Uh, we'll see you for another From the Clubhouse podcast very soon.